of all of the things that the world may say, God has the last word on what can change hearts and lives forever. Easter celebrates that Jesus is alive, and you and your family are invited to celebrate with us. Learn all about Passion Week and Easter services at mcgregor.net. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There, our Genesis foundation sprang from the will and word of the great I Am. Woven deep into these foundations are rich truths of God and man, sin and righteousness, life and death, and everything else of ultimate consequence. What God started in Genesis is now settled and completed in Christ Jesus. The uh, calendar, whereby, again, for, for a year, a little more than a year, the work has been going on to get to the point that we had the material that we could, we could show you this morning and the things that we could talk about with Renew 2. Uh, that, that calendar landed on, on this Sunday to unfold Renew 2 to the body of Christ. Independent of that, our, our, our preaching calendar exists months in advance and is approved by our, by our elder body. We, we finish our, our walk through Genesis 1 through 11 this morning. Um, Palm Sunday is next Sunday and then, and then comes Easter. For the sake of, of, of time this morning, we're not gonna deal in this setting with the tragic events early in chapter 10 or the table of nations from the latter part of chapter 10. We're also not gonna deal with the genealogy that connects Shem down to Abraham in the latter part of chapter 11. I'm gonna touch on all of those in the Beyond the Notes podcast this week. And for those who have enjoyed our, our time together in these early chapters of Genesis, um, I'm pleased to point out that, that Brother David Asfor, who is a part of our SFCA faculty and who has done a fair amount of teaching on the church side of things as well, will be leading in our next semester of Journey Together, a Wednesday night course entitled, Is Genesis History? By the way, spoiler alert, it is. But David has devoted significant time and diligent study to these early chapters of Genesis. And it's a terrific opportunity for you as a member of the body of Christ to have an even deeper dive. So, this morning. Of all the passages in the Word of God you would talk about on a morning where you're challenging a body of Christ to accomplish something in the realm of building something together. You could, you could take on the conquest of Canaan, parting of the Red Sea, David slaying Goliath. The one passage you'd never mess with is the Tower of Babel. <laughs> Yet, in God's kind providence, and I believe his wisdom, that is where we have landed this morning. Genesis chapter 11, beginning in verse one. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. This is within just a short 
number of generations from the flood. The whole earth had one language and the same words, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they have all one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. And so the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. My definition of experience, and I like, I like crafting definitions for words, it helps me think through things for me more clearly. My definition, my definition of experience is the sum of all of the mistakes you have made during which you were paying at least some attention. If there's something that you were good at and the first time you ever tried it, you were good at it and you've done it 10,000 times since, I would argue that's not experience, that's just iteration. But if there's something that you got involved in, some stuff went wrong, you buddied your nose a bit, but you took notes. The Lord has been very, very disproportionately blessed. Bless, blessing me. The Lord has disproportionately blessed me. I'm forgetting how to use words. The Lord has disproportionately blessed me in so, so many ways. Down the years of my, my vocational service where I've earned my living working for churches, which began early in 1987, I have been blessed to be involved in church building initiatives of most every size and shape. I've got the battle scars and the bloody noses and the bruises and the limp. I'd like to think I'm a little experienced at it. It doesn't surprise me that the Tower of Babel is where we land this morning. I would have never dared to arrange it, but neither was I inclined to duck it. Because I think we can learn from the mistakes of Babel, both in our personal lives, but for our purposes this morning in our corporate life as a church. Three strategic mistakes made at Babel. Number one, they considered most important their own potential. Their own potential. Verse, verse three, they said to one another. And then, what do we need? We need bricks. Well, we have brick. 
What do we need? We need glue to hold the bricks together. Well, we have bitumen. It is a, it is a naturally occurring asphalt. In fact, in modern Iraq, the present location of the plain of Shinar, the stuff bubbles up in artesian springs. It's all over the place. So they looked at their own potential. What do we have laying around that's just not that hard to get to? What can we do with what is evidently available? And God even said, if we let them do this, the sky will be the limit. And God is not interested in developing your human potential. Every time I hear the phrase, the human potential movement, I just cringe. God is not a fan of your human potential. They were gonna do a whole bunch of great things without trusting God. They were not trusting the Lord. And that was a strategic mistake. As you consider as an individual or family your commitment for Renew 2 in the days ahead, please, please don't stop at the natural and rational. Now don't do one thing more than the Lord wants you to do. You are responsible for your walk with God, but don't do one thing less. And be open to the possibility that his challenge to you, because I believe his challenge to us, is a bit more than makes rational sense. There's always brick lying around. There's always a way to glue them together. That, their careful evaluation of available resources was not a plus, it was a minus because they weren't trusting God. They, they were building from their own potential. Roman two, they were building for their own pride. For their own pride. Let us build ourselves a city. Let us make a name for ourselves. They weren't interested in the glory of God. They were interested in their own big bad reputation. They were interested in being themselves a bigger deal. Whenever I consider that issue of, of, of reputation and, and fame, I think of John the Baptist. I've shared this before, but I think, it's, I think there's a principle here that is, is, is whoppingly important. Jesus said of John the Baptist, he's the greatest man that ever lived. The way he said it, he said, there's never been a man born of woman like John the Baptist. That's Jesus saying, John the Baptist is the greatest man who ever lived. Now there's a pop quiz coming up, but I'm gonna grade it real easy, and it's verbal. So let's see if you can get it right. If Jesus says you're the greatest man that ever lived, what are you? There you go. So it is indisputable. John the Baptist, the greatest man that ever lived. You talk about a guy that was a big deal, at least potentially. He was a greater man than any man you've ever known. You know what he said of his own reputation? He said, I must decrease so Jesus can increase.
The greatest man that ever lived actively sought to diminish his own reputation. He wasn't trying to build social media followers. He was trying to shed them. I must be a smaller thing in order that Jesus be the biggest thing. If anything we ever undertake as a congregation is to build this congregation's reputation, to make this congregation a bigger deal, I pray that God in his providence and his grace will scramble us up. We make Jesus a bigger deal. We make Jesus a bigger deal. You know what? When, when all this stuff happens and, and, and we, we come back and we're back in this room after a period of renovation and it, um, it, it kind of looks okay. I, I, I don't think that's bad. I think that, that Sunday it'll be fun to come back into this room and go, wow, the old room updates pretty well. But if anybody ever walks out of this room talking about this church is a big deal instead of Jesus is a big deal, we have not succeeded, we have failed, right? Our reputations don't matter. Jesus's does. Let us build ourselves a city. Maybe not, said the living God. Their own potential not trusting God. Their own pride, not the glory of God. And finally, their own place. Let's do all this, don't miss this, verse four, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Now that's tragic. Because all the way back to the Garden of Eden, the mandate had been scatter over the whole earth. Twice in the Noahic covenant that we looked at last week, the command was scatter, multiply, cover the earth. Move out to the ends of the earth. Something about that sounds familiar to this New Testament Christian. This business of move out to the ends of the earth. Does it sound familiar to you? Kind of has a great commission echo, doesn't it? Our, our core directive is to go to the ends of the earth with the message of the gospel, to get up out of this room and go here, there, and everywhere, near and far. If anything we ever do is designed to make this room so astonishingly wonderful that we never want to leave it, we have failed. We have absolutely failed. Praise God for this room, which has functioned and will function in time to come as a gathering part, place for the body of Christ place where we can meet, a place where we can study God's word together, a place where we can lift up the name of the Lord Jesus in worship. And may all those things continue. May this room, however, never be a sticking point. Launching out is and remains the prime directive. 
They wanted a place that they could have such a signature home that they would never be dispersed over the face of the earth. And when they made that declaration, God said, that cannot be. That cannot be. And that's when he stepped down and scrambled their plans. If we're making plans based on our own potential and our own pride to make ourselves a super place, then my prayer would be that God, in his kindness to us, would thwart those plans decisively. I don't actively fear that, but I've been familiar with this passage for a very long time. And I've seen Tower of Babel style initiatives down my long experienced years. I want no part of them. I pray you don't either. And by the way, in your personal life, in a room with this many people in it, it might be that what's going on in your personal life right now is being driven by your potential, your pride, and your own sense of place in your own life. If you've never come to faith in Jesus, if this morning you leave this room with your sin unforgiven, hell yawning beneath your feet because you came on a Sunday morning and we talked about raising money to renovate a room, we have once again colossally failed. This morning, if you don't know Jesus, the largest error of your life will be to proceed in your own power for your own purposes with your own resources. That will bring you under, finally, the judgment of God from which you cannot hope to escape. But Jesus Christ hung on a cross to pay the debt of sin debt owed by sinners. His death on the cross paid it. The empty tomb proved it. And here this morning, you are called to repent of your sin and trust Jesus Christ by faith. And if you do that, you'll have eternal life. Nothing we do to raise funds or renovate a room is going to cause rejoicing in heaven. But if one person comes to faith in Christ, the angels light it up. Rejoicing in heaven. Don't leave this morning lost. So. You know what I think? I think this body of Christ can take this on for the glory of God. I think this body of Christ, those of us who know Jesus, can trust the Lord to do something with a supernatural outcome among and through us. I think we can have an updated room and a launching mentality. Together, let's seek to move for the glory of God.